Hello, you're now listening to the Modem Podcast, where we deconstruct, examine, and discuss deeply technical data networking and information technology topics. Sit back and relax while we fire up Dial D and the 9600 VOD Modem and connect to the Wildcat BBS. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Modem Podcast. I'm your host and spirit animal guide, Chris Cummings, and uh, today we have a whole crew of good-looking good looking people who are ready to talk, and good-looking for the podcast industry, at least, which is why this is an audio-only medium. Yeah, <laughs> but, we all have a face for radio. Yeah, the <laughs> best face for radio. So uh, with the number one radio beauty pageant winner here, we have Nick Baraglio, who's going to be, uh, you know, as the official modem co-founder. I think he has a, a, a title on his LinkedIn. If you don't, you should. C- CEO chief uh exuberation officer you should i, I think i think it just says co-founder but it is actually on there yeah i think mine's actually on there too which is kind of lame <laughs> yeah. proud, oh, hey man i'm proud of it you know what oh. you're right you're right this I is apologize actually for nothing i apologize for nothing we're gonna get copyright striked for that um so yeah so we have nick uh nick's gonna nick's gonna talk nick how you doing today i'm doing well i'm doing well thanks for asking yeah. You know, you're you're so far away. I mean, right now, like I I would normally be able to see you from where I'm sitting, except uh, the smoke here, which is uh, an AQI of almost 300, is making it so I'm like out of breath and can't see. My eyes are watering, so I can't see Nick. You're not missing um, much. Yeah, no, I'm not. So it's actually really great uh, not being able to see Nick. Uh, we also have Trey Aspland. Trey. Hey, hey Trey. Present. Present. He's present. He's present. He's present and present. All righty. And along to with the uh, along for the ride, who actually uh, came up with the idea for this episode, we have Jay Stewart. Jay Stewart. Hello. Hello. Is that the introduction there, Chris? Is that what? Is that the introduction? That's the introduction. So I will intro, I guess, real quick what we want to talk about. So the um, actual, I think, title of this, well, maybe it's in fly a little bit, but it's a uh, uh, the the recording URL is this time with Jay, so that's what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically we uh, we wanted to get Jay on and talk kind of about uh, careers and talk a little bit about what the networking career field is like. What it, we all have, I think, slightly different perspectives on the the whole thing, and and just you know how we got into it. Uh, why we want to get out of it as fast as possible. Um, <laughs> the various topics around networking. So Jay, you want to kind of give us a background about what you were thinking would be a good topic for a discussion here? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Chris. I think, uh, I think networking as a career can take many pathways. You know, I don't necessarily think that everybody needs to travel through the knock, AKA the brimstone alley to be able to become a network engineer. Uh, what I'd like to see is, kind of diversity of pathways into networking, right? Like the idea that maybe you don't start off from the knock or technical support representative as sort of like the fledgling starting of your career. Maybe you're a Starbucks barista. Maybe you are a burrito maker extraordinaire. Uh, but I think having a discussion around where people have come in, where people intend to go, uh, probably make sort of a better idea about what you know the, everybody working in networking could be and have an experience. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the idea about it. I like it. So maybe we uh, kind of start by, I don't know, just talking about like very briefly how, you know, we all got into this thing. I, I guess since I'm actively yakking, I can talk, I guess for me, like I got into it by accident. 
Um, I was actually uh, spent a summer working at like a like a summer camp in Juneau, Alaska, and uh, I'd been involved in tech stuff. I actually went to college originally for um, computer science because I thought that that was how you uh, that that was a degree you get if you want to fix computers, <laughs> like fix home computers. <laughs> Turns out that's not actually a job. <laughs> um, now I know, and I I actually showed up uh, week one. And uh, got the syllabi, syllabim, syllabuses, syllabi, the syllabi for my courses and uh, saw Java on there and was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And so I turned into a communications major to study film and audio and stuff because <laughs> that's Wait, the amount of you working on Java right now. What's that? Aren't you working on Java right now? Uh, a little just- bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And I actually don't hate Java anymore. But like what it, what it was was I saw yeah, ironically, I saw programming and I was like, no, no, no. I just like want to replace like power supplies on like home computers and stuff. Cause that's what I've been doing. Like as like I had had a side business called Mead PC repair <laughs> where I made a ton of money in high school. Like, uh, basically just like installing Microsoft office, like fixing malware on machines and like, just like the kind of thing you would do like in the nineties. And I don't know how it was actually a job in the two thousands, but I made a business out of it and actually like made a ton of money, like just helping people like install QuickBooks and stuff like that. And yeah, nobody else was doing it. So I thought I could go to college to learn how to do that. And then I realized, no, that's not really a thing um, for like personal computers as much. So, so then I went and I, you know, I, I was like, oh, computer science. I like computers. I'd already had my school picked out because the uh, degree kind of followed after that. Um, and then this is going way too long. Then um, I. It's a terrible topic. It's a terrible topic. No, I'm talking way too much. That's what's happening. <laughs> then, so yeah, so TLDR, I, you know, whipped out of programming because programming is hard. Uh, moved to Juno for a summer to do like a summer camp thing in between semesters. Then it was like, you know what? I don't like the school I'm going to cause it was a terrible school. I uh, dropped out uh, for a bit and was like, I'm just going to have a bit of a gap here. And I was like, I'm just going to get a job like flipping burgers or something like just cause I live in Juno right now and Juno is really cool. So, all right. And I, I, there was a wisp that had like just set up service internet service at the camp that I'd been working at. And so I just talked to the owner. I was like, Oh, Hey, like you need like people to do stuff. I was like, I kind of know computers. I'd like done a lot of like, you know, DDWRT on like WRT 54G, like Linksys routers and stuff. Like that was like the extent of my networking knowledge. And like, I didn't know anything about it. But yeah. So I started that job <clears throat> doing like telephone moves, ads changes for the state of Alaska, basically. And then, um, yeah, long, 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 long story shorter, long story longer, uh, ended up moving into just getting plopped into a network engineer role at a WISP which was the same company, but at the Swiss where I was basically the only employee beside the founder, besides the founder and his wife, who was the accountant. I was the only employee. Um, I got slapped into a network engineer role where I was, I was telling Jay about this this morning. I, I was tasked with uh, building generators from scratch, like electrical generators, uh, building the web interface to manage them and the control systems around that. And then flying out to towers to basically repair radios and, and engineer the network and stuff. So I, during that time, was doing uh finished up my college degree online and part of that was through the cisco network academy where they basically have you do uh, cisco ccna kind of training through your whole uh college process and it's kind of like a dual enrollment almost i guess for lack of a better term. so yeah i mean basically um you know i i started working for this wisp became a network engineer who wore all the hats because we were also a managed service provider had to do sysadmin tasks all that stuff but anyway i spent like you know basically two and a half years of my life there uh learning literally everything about the field 
um, and learning to, <laughs> uh, learning the hard way what burnout was. And then like, you know, overextending myself with all this, like, Oh my God, there's all this new technology. It's actually really cool. Like, let me just learn it all. And I did that. And then I like sacrificed like personal relationships and like all this stuff to do it. And I wouldn't say that's a healthy path, but it was a path I, I took. And I actually think a lot about like whether or not I would, um, you know, like do that on purpose if I actually was thinking intentionally about like how I wanted my career to progress or not. And I, I don't have a good answer for that. But anyway, so like I, I was just really busy and burnt out. And eventually I, I left that job to go work for one of our customers, which is a mining company where I got to work in like a bit more of an enterprisey kind of like realm, publicly traded company, that kind of thing. And, and actually have like a bit more rigidity around process and stuff, which is kind of an interesting progression. And then, yeah, then I left and I, you know, after a while I, went to the corporate office of that company, did the same stuff, kind of like was the network engineer for us globally for, for, you know, we operated in a couple different countries and stuff like that. And so it was kind of coordinating like, you know, stuff like that, like, you know, network engineering and other network engineers and managing them, not managing, managing, but like directing, like, you know, direction for the organization from a network standpoint. And then, yeah, we, uh, and I'm at a place called the YesNet. Um, and that's where I decided to change my career uh, significantly again and go into the software realm. So the guy who didn't want to learn Java uh, because he didn't want to do programming because he thought development was lame and he wanted to play with hardware all day, uh, actually uh, now as a developer. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. It's a very long rambling way, but like my my like high level like synopsis of it is like I got in head first. I went in to it without any. I I took something I was slightly passionate about and I turned it into a career. And I didn't restrict myself from like uh, the buffet table of options available to me. I would say I gorged myself to the point where I got very sick of things. Uh, and then like, yeah, I, I've spent a lot of my career kind of like trying to like recover from that actually. And like trying to figure out how to like balance work life. And that's been like, now I'd say that's like my biggest like career goal is like finding somewhere where I can actually, you know, do the things I want to in life that are separate from work and balance all that stuff. So. But I think I think one thing that would be interesting for the listeners to know is that we'll get a we'll get a fair spread as we kind of discuss this because and we started in the middle, right? So I have somehow become the old guy. Uh, time apparently makes fools of us all, just like uh, Philip J. Fry says. So you know, my I, I I will have a very different perspective on uh, the career path then probably, well, everybody's going to have a different perspective. So, you know, I'm probably, I've been in the, I've been in the industry the longest, then probably Jay, then probably Chris, then Trey. I think Jay and Chris are probably pretty close, but um, I think the interesting thing here will be the, you know, how things change, I would say probably pretty dramatically over time. Right. Because, you know, Chris, you did, uh, you know, you did the Cisco Academy as part of your college experience uh, and that didn't exist. Yeah, there was you know, no formal training period. There was, like when, there was yeah. no formal training for operational computering as, you know, networking was just it was just like something you had to do to do what you needed to do you know, when I started, so it wasn't like a specialty unto its own. No, not at all. I mean, it was, in fact, it was, it was, it was fairly like lowbrow, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it. You know, it was like the, the plumbing, um, you know, whereas the, you know, the, the, the high born type, 
activities were, you know, development and uh, really just development actually, you know, and, and maybe, maybe producing hardware, like, you know, mm-hmm. hardware engineering and writing, writing software were the, you know, sort of the things and, 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 and networking in particular and, you know, infrastructure type stuff like services were really just support for that other thing. And I don't know, maybe that really hasn't changed that much, but it was definitely a different vibe when I got into it in, in you know, in the mid nineties and even going back, you know, my, my, I guess I've, I've kind of just sort of taken over here. So I'll just give my spiel while I'm talking Go for it, you know, in the, in the eighties, I got invited to do, uh, at the time was called like a gifted class that was put on by the local community college where they were teaching elementary school kids to, uh, write Apple basic. Right. So, you know, they, they picked a handful of kids and of course all my friends made fun of me for going to do it, but I got to learn some Apple basic. I got to learn some programming and, you know, my parents, you know, made sure that we had whatever kind of computer system we could afford at the time, which was usually one or two generations older than was the you know current. And, you know, we did some, we did some basic, basic, literally basic programming. And then I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, it's too methodical and it's too like rigid for me. And I didn't like it. So I put it away and I didn't touch it again until I was probably a senior in high school, which would have been early nineties. At which point I took a computer science or well, programming is what it was called class in high school, my senior year. But the programming was boring. So I learned, I read the books on the network system that was, uh, that connected all of the, the IBM PCs in the, in the school. And I learned how basically to get into everybody's directory so I could copy their work. So I didn't have to do it. Um, and then I know. Right. And, and so then, then I put it away and I didn't touch it again for a couple of years until I started working at a video store, which I, I've said it before and I'll say it a million more times. It's the greatest job I've ever had. Right. And because I knew a little bit about the network, um, they ha- I worked on the Lantastic based network that ran the point of sale system there whenever it had problems. And I'd have to do the dial out to do, uh, you know, the, the transaction reporting to the main office and things like that. Cause it was a regional video store. And then again, I went and, and I put it away for a while. I didn't, uh, it was just something I had to do. I didn't really enjoy it. It was just a thing that I was able to do. So I did, it got me out of doing actual work. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll do this. Um, and then I did a bunch of various other things like, installed appliances and delivered TVs and worked at an army surplus store, just, you know, random smattering of crap uh, until um, we started uh, getting into gaming. Uh, My college roommate and I, uh, he wasn't my roommate yet, but is a friend of mine from forever. Um, He's like, I want to play. I think it was, I think it was Duke. It was doom or Duke Nukem, whichever one was first. It wasn't Wolfenstein. And so we, you know, cabled up these two systems that he had put together, like he built them, which I'd never seen anything like that before. So he kind of showed me how things were put together and whatever. And we cabled them up and we played some games. And I was like, wow, this, this networking thing is, is actually kind of neat, right? I can make these two things talk together and then I can use the connected things to waste unlimited amount of time doing things that are unproductive, like play games or whatever. And when, we, when I, uh, when I ended up going back to college, cause I was in college, at the, you know, when I worked at the, at the video store and the surplus store and stuff, um, I was like, well, 
I'll take some computer science classes and it, it, it right it through right into COBOL, right? Because it was it was everybody knew that Y2K was coming. This was mid nineties at this point. Everybody's like, everybody, we gotta learn COBOL. You can make a mint doing COBOL. And I was totally uninterested in that. So I went and I minored in film, which is what I wanted to do. Um, didn't have a major, majored in um arts and technologies, mostly like graphic design and, and photography and things like that. Um, technology based art forms, not like not traditional painting and, and stuff like that. Um, but I did that. I, I, I was able to finish that by uh, working at an MSP. My roommate was a telecom major, which at the time was like the closest thing you could get to like hands-on computer stuff. Um, and he's like, Hey, we need somebody to, you know, run one of the install teams. It's like, you know, enough to do it. And I was older than, you know, I was already a couple of years older than most of the college students that they were hiring to do it. And so I went and did that. And from there, I just was like, I can just keep doing this. And I graduated, uh, never finished a master's degree, graduated. And, uh, my, my, uh, my wife's like, are you going to get a job? And I was like, well, I got a full-time job, you know, I'm doing this networking stuff. And, I got handed a lot of the things that no one wanted to do because I wasn't a uh, computer science student. So at the time I was handed like, Oh, if there's a Mac in the building or an Apple, they didn't call them Macs at the time. Like, if there's an Apple in the building, Simbralio, if there's, you know, if it's not a, you know, if, if it's a Cisco ISDN router, no one wanted to do any of that stuff. Right. They wanted to work on network systems and windows NT servers. That's a, that's a theme I can already see emerging here, which is just like the doing the everything kind of bucket. Like I feel yeah. like networking, it, I, maybe that's just like kind of a byproduct of where it sits in the stack is that it just like, it's in between everything. And so you kind of have to know how everything else works because everybody yeah. always points their fingers at you and says, well, your network's broken and you have to yeah. go, well, no, it's not. Here's what's wrong with your application, right? And as a developer, I still see my fellow developers doing that all the time. Like, oh, the thing is a network problem. I'm like, oh, don't you do that. I know where those guys came from. So it, it is interesting to me to hear this theme in you. You're, yeah, you're I mean, I mean, we had to do, you know, and then I went and worked at a, a you know, a, a regional internet provider. There was a couple very short stints in enterprise where I didn't, you know, I was like an outside kitty that they tried to make work in, you know, live indoors and it just was a mess. Right. It didn't work for me. Didn't work for them. You just pee so on went, the walls everywhere. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's normally what I say, but I was going <laughs> to refrain. Uh, but now I went, I went and worked for a regional internet provider, which I, I, I fit best in sort of high performance and, and, inter, and, and internet pr provider type of environments. Right. And so I, I went back to that. And, you know, it was, it was 1999, 2000. There was no, like it was early broadband days. There were no real network engineers. I mean, there were, but like not in the, not in the regional space. Like you had to just do everything like, oh, the DNS server's broken. Oh, the DNS server needs upgrade. Oh, you know, create a new web server because this one's loads too high. You know, you had to do all the Unix stuff. You had to write code at the time it was Perl to make your life easier because, you know, you couldn't do all the things, right? You had to do, you had to create tools for yourself, right? It wasn't really automation at that point, although there were sort of elements of that, but you basically had to be a toolsmith and and do all the things at the time, um, you know, because everything was a skeleton crew and IT was a luxury at that point, right? It wasn't like a commodity like it is now. It was getting there, but it was like the internet was still like, there were lots of people that I knew that just didn't, they didn't have broadband. They might have dial up service maybe. Right. But it wasn't something that was like electricity where people like go frantic if it's not working. 
Yeah, that's that's very much today and has been. But Nick, I like how your story has kind of three absolute truths there, right? First one being the users are always probably going to blame the network, right? It's our job to make sure it's not the case. Second one is that you can learn the most by getting your hands dirty, right? That's always the best guide. Get in, get dirty, figure it out. Third one is you could still make money programming COBOL. That hasn't changed. And I think I might make a career change to do that. So I, I was laughing at the same thing. I was kind of like, you know, I should get, I should do that because you can make buku bucks doing that. And it's probably not hard problems to solve. It's just you have to deal with BS, which don't we already have to do that in our job? So like, <laughs> I'm like, hmm. In the late 90s, I remember hearing it's like 25 cents per line. Or something. It was something crazy like that. And I wish right. I got paid per line. That's like the dumbest metric to like pay somebody. By. <laughs> like, managers hear that because that might be a KPI. In the next. Oh quarter. my goodness! Yeah, seriously, that's amazing. So yeah, wow, that was, yeah. I was kicked around a lot. It was it was it was twenty five cents per line. Of it was auditing. It wasn't necessarily writing code. It was auditing for Y two K stuff. Yeah, if I had to review, I paying per line of code after review okay i mean there's now like actually really advanced algorithms for code complexity that's kind of interesting where you can just like you can point these tools at your repositories and it'll actually like estimate how much it costs not based off like line count or lines of code but actually based off of like how complex a function is i forget the name of like the algorithm but it'll actually tell you like hey this function's too complex you can actually use this in your it's not ai or ml or any of that crap it's actually just math <laughs> around like how complex things are which is really cool well, I, I, th I think that's called the AWS billing uh, charges at the end of the month, right? <laughs> yeah, however much it costs on AWS, that means it's more. Uh, my Lambda function ran and it's $40,000 for this week alone, so. Yeah, but it doesn't run on servers, so it's really great. Exactly. So, so it's, it's interesting to me. Okay, I hear like actually a lot of parallels between Nick and I, which is like basically being like the, the poop smiths who go and just kind of do a lot of unwanted stuff or just like do what needs doing. Uh, so I guess like, We'll go to Trey since uh, Jay will save you for last since you had the idea. Trey, you maybe want to kind of give the same spiel about just kind of how you got into things and what interests you about it and all that stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, honestly, I kind of fell into it because I didn't have anything anything more interesting to do, to be honest. Like, I, I didn't grow up enjoying computers or especially wanting to take all that shit apart and figure out how it worked. It was more just, you know, computer got me from A to B, get my assignments turned in, whatever. Um, and then kind of got to about senior year of high school and was like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life or what I'm going to do when I graduate. So I kind of had to come up with a plan for that. And at the time, uh, one of my close friends was his, his mom was a, a sysadmin and her boyfriend at the time was a network engineer. And so he's like, yeah, you should really talk to these two. You know, they'll kind of give you an idea. I think maybe, you know, you're, you seem to be a more analytical person, you know, so maybe go talk to them and see if that's something you'd be interested in. So I did. And they kind of, gave me like a tour of their, their work and whatnot and gave me a, a very, very rough idea of, of what's going on enough where I was like, okay, well, I don't really have a better plan. So I'll, I'll take some tech classes. So my senior year of high school, I took, uh, I took like a networking class, uh, which was offered through one of the, the technical, like vocational schools nearby. Uh, and so that was like the first year where I did like one is basically all through CC, uh, the Cisco Netacad. So I did like the A plus class and then like the first of four CCNA classes. And then I was like, great, that was okay, I guess. So I don't know, still don't really know what to, what to do. But my, my high school instructor was also teaching at the community college. And so they had like a two-year degree. You'd get your associates out of it, but it would still be heavily focused on like networking and security and things like that. So I went ahead and enrolled in the community college and started a two-year degree there. 
Um, so, I mean, initially I was just kind of working a, a retail job there and that kind of got old and I went and talked to my instructor. And I was like, Hey man, what, what do we have here? Like, I need to get out of this. I need to do something real. And so he kind of directed me to an opening at a local, uh, vendor, a local networking vendor, um, where they were doing like, you know, little Linux routers with, uh, Quagga's the routing stack and, you know, they've got NAT and, uh, IPsec and DMVPN and things like that. So it was, that was kind of like my first job was, was getting in there, going through Netacad, getting my CCNA through that. I took this first job doing tech support there, which, uh, you know, you do phone support and you, you learn how to talk to people real quick and you also learn how to, to doubt people's confidence and actually listen to what they what they mean versus what they're saying. And humanity in general, I'm sure you learn to doubt. Of course. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But that was kind of my intro. Like I started working there while I was still in, in school. So I ended up finishing my degree, uh, which the program I went to was really cool. The first year was like CCNA. We did like an MTA for Windows Server. The second year was like just a smattering of things. So it was like Linux, uh, VoIP, it was storage, it was virtualization. We did uh, like a Linux class. Hopefully I didn't just say that twice. Um, but yeah, so we did, we did a, a, a handful of different things there. And so that kind of get me my start. And so I was just doing like vendor support there, just troubleshooting network stuff. Like you guys said, it, it kind of became the mentality of like what, what, what things don't people care about, right? And being on the vendor side, it's, I mean, you're supporting a product, right? So at the end of the day, you have a set of features and you're supposed to be the guy who knows how to configure those features and how to troubleshoot it when it breaks and those kinds of things. So uh, for me, when I was there, the the big gap in knowledge of my team was uh, routing. So we didn't really have anyone who understood routing protocols. We didn't have anyone who really understood tunneling. And DMVPN with, you know, with IPsec and running BGP over the top was, was a pretty common thing there and not a whole lot of people understood it. So that was, that was something I spent a lot of time just digging into and teaching myself like through, I don't know, like INE or uh, what's the other one, CBT nuggets, things like that. So just find those kind of uh, curriculums or whatever to go through. Um, my school participated in a vocational competition called Skills USA. And so I went and did that while I was in school as well. And Dude, no way. I, I did the same thing. I did skills USA and I did all the a plus stuff there and cable termination and all that stuff. Did, did you actually can, oh, I don't know if we'd have overlapped. I wonder, cause we made it to nationals one year. I, yeah. So, I mean, I went, I went to nationals two years. My, my instructor just, he knows the, he knows the system. He he's trained up several people, always sends people every year for various, uh, various of the competitions. Like I went for internet working. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming yours was IT technical services or I did. Maybe, I did. Cisco, I did Cisco stuff. I don't remember. It was so long ago. I, I wonder if we overlapped because I would have been like, I don't know, like, oh, eight, maybe. OK, yeah, I did mine in like 2016, 2017. Oh, yeah. A no little way. after you. All right. You you baby. You you young I child. <laughs> I know. <laughs> OK, sorry. Uh, that is really interesting. It, it, it and one thing I, I guess I'll point out is like. Uh, I, another theme I'm picking up already is just like finding a niche. Uh, like, like you mentioned, like, you know, nobody on your team really knew routing. So you learned routing and like now, like you are probably one of the people I know the most that, that I know that knows the most about routing. Like you're definitely like, if I was to be like asking somebody about it, like an obscure thing about like how BGP might handle this state, like you would be pretty high up on my list of people to ask. And so like, it's amazing to me how finding like that specialization of, um, 
well, nobody else really wanted to learn this. Uh, Nick, like back in like the nineties, the like it's like Apple talk, right? Like nobody really wanted to learn it. So you learned it and guess what? You can turn that into a thing if you want. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, for sure. You can specialize in anything. That's, that's kind of the beauty of it is it's infinitely deep and infinitely wide. And so you can pick any lane you want to go in and dig down as far as you want and generally find a pretty good employment for that. I like, mean, I, I picked, I picked V6 20, like 21 years ago. I'm like, I'm going to learn everything I can about V6. I started in 2002 and 21 years later, now, <laughs> finally, that's yeah. something that is it's finally happening. becoming a thing that's happening like the, and I'm doing it. like the it. Ron Paul gif. Like, it's happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's six is not happening. All right, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We're going to get a fight. Keep dreaming. Well, I, the other thing I guess I hear here, too, is like this concept that gets tossed around of T-shaped skills. So, like, if you just specialize in something itself, like, that actually might not get you very far. Like, if you only specialize in one thing, like, you can actually find yourself maybe quite pigeonholed in your career or like not able to progress or just like bored because you don't ever get to touch anything ever exactly what you touch. But when you have like these, this concept of T-shaped skills, so instead of just going straight down into something like the vertical line on a T, you also have this horizontal breadth of knowledge that augments your depth of knowledge that allows you to like know a, a little bit about a lot and then a lot about one thing or maybe a few things. I think like an any analogy or comparison, it breaks down, right? You can have more than one depth and that's like for me, like network and network software automation like is kind of like a couple different specialties that i've dive dove divin dave daved down into dove dove down into <laughs> i've done my all the way down in there yeah, yeah definitely i mean the, the t-shaped thing is a big thing like just in terms of like i don't know i feel like being successful is has a lot to do with interacting with other groups and I, like that's that's no different for me working at a vendor right i have worked support which means i got to talk to the sales guys who help design this customer's network. I got to work with product management to try and prioritize debuggability feature FRs. I got to work with QA to see what we've tested to be able to actually report back on like, is this a supported config and work with development to say, Hey, we got to debug this further. And, you know, so being able to like talk across cross discipline like that is important. Not even just like, Hey, do I need to talk to the server team that like, even within your organization, it's important to be able to do that. Oh, I, Trey, I think you can say that, being able to communicate period yeah is is critically important i mean you can get you can get pretty far on like simply technical prowess but you will hit a glass ceiling if you have no people skills at all you'll just get put in a basement do whatever you do no one wants to talk to you whatever it like i have you know i'm a mediocre engineer but I think I have reasonably good people skills and I'm willing to collaborate. And I, I still attribute like 99% of my success to that. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a very important thing that you said there, Trey, is like you have to work with other people. I think oh, it's, yeah. it's funny because I mean, we, we have such a technical podcast here, like, and like, that's kind of our thing that we always dive into. But like at the end of the day, like, I think I've heard us say uh, probably five or six times easily on here, like that having interpersonal skills is actually probably one of the most important things you can have in this industry, it, which is funny because like none of us actually have good interpersonal skills. We're all, we're all jerks and bubbles. So <laughs> that's why we're not successful. <laughs> I wouldn't even limit it to the industry, to be honest. I think it's just a life yeah. skill. It is a honest. very important life skill. I totally agree. If you can leverage that life skill to further yourself professionally, extra yeah. bonus points, right? 
I mean, oh, yeah. how, leveled up. How many people like have we all probably worked with? You know, maybe it's in our industry, or like you say, maybe it's just in broader life who is like brilliant and just incredibly technically capable, and they're just horrible to work with, and so nobody wants to work with them. I mean, there like that exists, and it's a really bad thing. And like I, I know I've heard some people say like you know you can be like oh, I'll probably butcher this, but like they say like you can be brilliant. Uh, you can be a jerk and you can be like, uh, like really fun to get along with. I think are kind of the three categories. You can like any two of those and you're good. Yeah. You can be like any three of those things or any two of those things. Uh, and like, you'll have a successful career. So you can be like a jerk and like, uh, but like really technically good, but like, I kind of disagree with that, uh, that statement. And I, I think that ultimately, like if you're a jerk, like even if you're correct and technically correct, I think it's going to come down and bite you in the end. Like you, it'll, it'll get you far a little bit sometimes because I, there are like, unfortunately organizations that value that. But I, I think that ultimately like it, it, you will end up ostracizing the people you work with. And those are the people you need to like be able to move on in, in your career and in life and all that stuff. Anyway. The problem with that is that from the outside, the person that is sort of like hyper confident and almost into the asshole territory it's, it's virtue signaling for other people who aren't technical that see that and say, oh, he's so confident he or she might know what they're talking about. Uh, I'm going to replace their technical prowess with sort of like assholery. And it's just it's not the right thing to do. Like if you're a leader in a company, you should know that just because the person is an asshole and might have technical ability doesn't necessarily mean they're a good contributor. An asshole cargo cult, basically, where like people will just become jerks just to to appear confident. Yeah, that's true. I totally see that. And I mean, I I've seen that myself in like, like my own, I don't know, like my own career in life where I'm just like, well, if I'm just like really confident and I can just get this done, even if I'm wrong and like, you know, you have to sit back and think through like, you know, the broader, the broader thoughts on stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We're all just in little rooms screaming. That's it. Well, well, speaking of screaming in little rooms, Jay, do you want to uh, scream in your little room about, um, you know, kind of how you got into all the stuff. It's his origin <laughs> story. I want to hear his origin story. Yeah, his super villain origin story for sure. You know, it's funny. I'm the one who brought up this topic, but I'm probably the one with the most vanilla upbringing in terms of uh, fledgling into the networking as a career. Uh, I think just like kind of Nick got into it, it was all all via the channels of gaming, right? Like playing Doom or Wolfenstein and uh, liking how sort of things operate and then getting curious about computers in general and then learning how computers communicate. But in my mind, you know, I came out of school with a marketing degree, realizing that, you know, as much as I like being a sort of a consumer of advertisements, I'm not necessarily great at being a creator of one. And, uh, you know, drumming along the Reddit chat lines of being, you know, looking for a job, you know, I could work at uh, Cadoba, Burger King. Oh, what is this? Oh, look, it's a call center role. Perfect. It was actually my first job out of school was a call center role at a local internet service provider. Uh, and that was much less technical than I'd like, right? While my official title was technical support representative, most of the time I was explaining to sort of various elderly folk of the community that their toaster is not a modem. Uh, but what it did allow me to do is get sort of a harness on really good interpersonal skills, right? Like not talking down to people, because if you talk down to people, especially New Yorkers, you're going to get thrown back into your face. Not like my Midwest folk that are also part of this podcast, which are just nice to your face and then assholes behind your back. Uh, but yeah, so whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Nick and I are assholes to your face too, for the record. Oh, that's true. Yeah, me. That's just true. me. And behind your back, but to your face. 
Yeah, well, I think you're just equating to the New Jersey home state, you know, style that I run with every day. It, well, it, Jay, New Jersey is your home state where you currently reside and are speaking to us from. That's right. My I pray address doesn't lie. I love sandwiches. That That's not a lie either. Uh, so, yeah. So growing up into the technical support role, working in a call center, it is literally the trenches, right? You do sort of look at a call queue and uh, realize that like your entire afternoon is going to be stacked with calls, you know, answering basic questions like my computer's not working because my screen's off. Or uh, maybe the solar stone, st- solar storms are causing my modem to have issues. Or can I disable the lights on the modem because I think the NSA is trying to spy on me? That was kind of like my day to day. But what it allowed me to do was kind of get sort of the technical harness put around myself, and then realize that like while this was good and a paycheck, it probably wasn't enough, and I think I could apply myself in sort of a, a better realm. The the thing that is pivotal in my career is I was able to get to a job that allowed me to get my hands dirty. You know, I keyed into that before, but it, it was pretty important, right? You're at a place that gives you enough trust to, hey, you may mess something up, but it is a learning experience. And I was lucky enough to do that at uh, a small ISP in Manhattan called Pilot Fiber, uh, where I did come in as a member of the NOC, but they did provide me access to the command line interface, right? Which in like network engineering terms is like, you're on your own. You can mess it up as much as you want your career to last. Uh, but honestly, just just having that sort of ability, A, to mess up, right, which is all kind of predicated on what organization you choose to join, and then B, being curious about anything that goes on, right? Like I would get a support call about slow speeds. What is slow speeds? It's actually funny about this because one of the tools we used, which ESNets helps develop, is the iPerf tool. And it's basically like a synthetic bandwidth benchmark tool. Uh, I had used that extensively extensively at Pilot Fiber. And I use that to kind of like, in so many words, part of being a support rep is telling the customer they're wrong, but it's effectively proving that the network is not to blame. And maybe you should go talk to your developer that you're you know paying $200,000 a year or two. Uh, but in, in, in relation, like that gave me some exposure to where I'm at now at Energy Sciences Network. Um, See, I, but I yeah, hear and, the uh, low speed thing and I immediately go, well, what the hell does that even mean? What are you even seeing? You, right. You, you right. give me the two words, slow speed, and I'm like, what can give me real words? Give me a yeah. real description here. The internet yeah. is just a one My site. Wi-Fi slow. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Customer reports are the worst. At the ISP, we used to have this older gentleman that lived, you know, we're surrounded by farms, right? And we were mainly dial-up. Uh, you know, we had hundreds of dial-up lines, and then we had broadband where we were close enough to the, you know, D slams. But this older guy would call in and just go. <laughs> <laughs> you better turn that goddamn server back on and then just hang up. We didn't know what it meant. It meant nothing. Like, well, what does that mean? You knew the server. And it happened it happened frequently. Like it happened yeah. more than a handful of times. So customer reports, being able to decipher those is a skill, right? Yeah. I mean, eventually you learn what certain things mean. Although it's really slow is probably the worst of the worst because it can mean a million things. I, my, my favorite in tech is a uh, quote unquote intermittent packet loss. Mm. Yeah, that's that, that one is pretty good, but is you know what? Packet loss intermittent? You know, the, uh, the customer reports that you complain about, they are the fastest monitoring tool that you'll ever deploy hands down. Right. Yeah. Like you could have syslog to the nines. You could have flow coming out of your routers. You can have SNMP traps hitting sort of any sort of collector. Guarantee it, no matter how fast you think your monitoring is, the customer will call you or report it faster than you had detected it. 
even if it's down to milliseconds, they'll still do it. Yeah. There has to be like some law of physics there that actually like is there's some mathematical proof about, well, how customers can detect these things faster than any technological system. It probably has to do with quantum. I assume. No, I think we, I think we have an opportunity here to coin a new term, the Stewart syndrome, which is however fast your monitoring is, you're depending on the size of your client base, the, the factor between how long it takes a customer to report it and how long your uh, monitoring system calls it is the, 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 uh, Stewart's law, Stewart's law. I'll take it. Yeah. Stuart. I tell you how much I love that. Definitely not a syndrome. Well, Stuart syndrome is, is a real thing, but it's something else that we're not. Yeah. It's something here. very different. We'll talk about that <laughs> after the recording's over, but it is medically significant. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually like Stuart's law. Um, it's similar to Brannigan's law, but not quite the same. No, <laughs> not Nick quite as venereal. <laughs> Brannigan's law. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is true. I mean, I, I've worked on, I, until actually my current position, I was always like the monitoring guy and I've built a lot of my systems that I'm pretty proud of. And I've gotten to where it's, I've definitely detected a lot of things before people call me, but yeah, there's still always at least something that you, you always going to have some sort of gap in your, in your, your testing or I, I say testing now in your monitoring. Like, ah, it's just, I don't, I don't know how to avoid it. It seems like Stewart's law is a real thing. Listen to this guy thinking he's faster than Stuart's Law over there. Oh, I know. Uh, I no one is faster than Stuart's Law. I flew the, too close to the Stuart's Law. Two years, I'm telling you. Stuart's Law is faster than BFD, man. It really is. <laughs> uh, so I think there, there's an interesting... There's, there's something... Jay, you brought this up before we started recording, but I think... It's really important. There's a couple things here that I want to say, and I've said a couple of these before and probably people are tired of hearing them. That's fine. I'm going to say them anyway. You don't have to learn everything, right? You, you don't have to kill yourself and use all your free time to learn Kubernetes and SDN and quantum and, you know, all of these, all the, all the, 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 the buzzwords, right? Pick two. Yeah. Pick two things right? Get good at two things. Get really good at one of them. Get pretty good at another one, right? It's that, it's that T-shaped thing again, right? Mm. And then know enough about the rest to know what you don't know. And I think yeah. that's, that's something that's really important because, you know, people that are coming up in, in, in the industry, and I was guilty of this too. I mean, I, I had pretty significant imposter syndrome because I didn't go to school for any of this stuff. And I had a kind of odd experience going into it where i had a manager that like just couldn't understand why i was even there because i wasn't going to school for it and i was you know it was an art school right and so that's why i got handed all the crap like here's here's the trash pile pick out whatever you want you know to eat there's probably a half eaten hoagie in there if you're really if you look really yeah cool. the art student's gonna take it <laughs> hoagies, and <laughs> so, hoagies and grinders is that what's maybe in there beans, maybe beans <laughs> But I, I think that's uh, I think that's really I think that's an important thing that needs to be said over and over because people will kill themselves trying to you know not not literally but like oh, yes literally work. yes literally like seriously or maybe they will maybe they yeah. will but like they they shouldn't like you don't have to know everything it's yes. more important like as someone that's come up in in a career and I've been a manager before I've hired people I've been on countless hiring committees one of the things that I place as a very high value personality trait is someone that knows what they don't know and they're not afraid of it. 
Like if yeah, you don't I, know something, don't try to fake it. Just say, I don't know, but I think it might be this, but I'm not sure I'd have to ask, or I'd maybe go look at this thing or whatever. That is not only acceptable, that is desirable. Like, yeah, that, but you know what, Nick? That doesn't bring any value to my shareholders. Okay. That does not bring any value to my shareholders. I, you know, I don't care about your shareholders. You know, if you're in a, if you're, if you're applying for a job that that's all they care about, then you can expect that they don't care about you. Right. And you, that's deep, man. That, man that, that's a good take right there. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm dropping all my stock and uh, Jay Stewart heavy industries right now. Cause <laughs> as a shareholder, I don't care. Well, <laughs> I don't know. They just, they just patented this, this, the, the, the Stewart's the law. So <laughs> New, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The next quarter they're going to have uh, the quantum version of Stewart's law. So I, I, I totally agree with you, Nick, like, especially like the, like just find one thing or two things. I mean, this is all of life. This is, it's actually funny how much of this is actually just life skills. It's not networking skills, just life skills. And I'm not very good at life skills, but I've put a lot of effort into it. Um, but like you have to pick your battles in life. Like you can't do everything. And that's kind of what I was getting at earlier when I was kind of giving my background was like, I totally killed myself. Like meta, like not actually, uh, but like, like real talk, like I got to the point where I considered it. Like that was like totally a thing because I was so burnt out. Like I, I was like suicidal because like I had ostracized a lot of relationships and stuff. So like it's a real thing that can affect your personal life like big time. And if you just like go into like the newest buzzword, like you said, Kubernetes, uh, like, you know, but like if you go into like, every single Kubernetes, like if you go into every single buzzword, like full bore and you basically try to find your own like self-worth and value in knowing everything about a topic, you will not achieve that. You will never achieve that. And it's not just networking. It's life. If you want to yeah. be the expert and everything, like you're never going to be that. And you have to be okay with not doing that. And that was like a trap I fell into where I was like, I, I had like, you know, really severe like imposter syndrome to the point where I'm like, you know, you know, thinking I'm, you know, not good at anything or anything like that. And I won't, force you guys to like listen to my therapy sessions but like you know a lot of that comes down to like not valuing yourself and things like that and like learning how you talk to yourself and learning like all this stuff can absolutely make you better at your job and better in your career and just happier in life in general like just not feeling this constant desire and turn to grind you know if, oh, if there's one thing i hate it's like the the grind set people who are just like you know, I think I think I think there needs to be a healthy relationship between like yeah. the things you're talking about like obviously self-worth is like how you know to set healthy boundaries with work yeah. and whatever else in your time but like on the imposter syndrome front I think there can be some value to be driven from that because I know like in my first job doing tech support talking to the senior guys like I mean I came out with like barely a CCNA I Mm-hmm. expect me to know how the hell DHCP relay works and IPsec and how those things are going to interact and policy-based tunnels versus routed tunnels. Like, no, there's too much going on there to like have an, like an effective communication on something like that's deep technically. But like you go talk to people and you realize how little, you know, that, that slice of humble pie is really good for, you know, actually teaching you that, wow, I, you know, I can take this feeling of being like, I don't know shit and I feel stupid to how can I actually not feel that way? You know, I can put in some effort, but I don't need to like, that doesn't need to be my whole life. Yeah. So and it's, it's finding the healthy balance there. I think of like ha- letting, letting it be enough to remind you that yes, there's more you need to learn or more you can 
develop, but not letting it take over your life. Because it's it's a natural it's a natural response, and in your body has those responses for a reason. Like 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 that part of your brain fires for a very evolutionary advantageous region reason. And yeah, I totally agree with you that it's a balance. And like and that's what I kind of said at the beginning. Like I don't know that I would change like how I got into my career and like how I've advanced my career, even though I have like opinions about what I did being like not the best way to do it. Right. Or like things that were not good for me at the time, you can still reap the benefits of bad decisions. Like sometimes. <laughs> and like, does that make them a bad decision? I don't know. This is getting too It's like off. science, right? A negative result is still a result. Exactly. Right? It's, yeah. You can still derive value out of something that is, you know, possibly not that desirable. Right. And, and it's, it's all about that. You, like you said, it's about that balance. Like if you, if you enjoy those things, if your hobby is, learning new things, then great. Right. But always make sure you have time away so that you, it doesn't consume you. Right. It's, it's one of those things that is learning is addictive and I love to do it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I, for a long time, many years, I personally chose to spend almost all of my learning credits on it related things, sometimes way outside of my normal discipline, but I enjoyed it. But at some point I was like, I should probably take some of that and do something that's completely, I'll go back to doing art stuff, right? And so I started doing art stuff again, and it's just a completely different section of your brain that you get to exercise at that point. And it's just, it's exercise, right? Just like you, you know, don't skip leg day, right? Do something different. I mean, you guys, what, what, one of the themes that we've already talked about is like, you know, picking up something that no one else wants to do and kind of finding that niche. And that's, that's kind of a perfect excuse or a perfect area to kind of do that development. in. like, I mean, I guess coming back to like, if you're, you're taking that time to do your learning in the technical realm, like finding a place that has that niche that no one else really knows is good. But also, I mean, if there are enough unfilled tasks, I mean, let's be real. If you're, if you're trying to find some balance there, pick out the ones that interest you. Like uh, the, uh, the product, like at my, at the vendor I worked at initially, right? The product had all kinds of features that no one really understood. There was like a Python SDK, there was GPS stuff going on there and there was like routing and firewalling and whatever else. And like, you know, there are a lot of things that people didn't have a deep understanding on. I picked routing because routing interested me and there was a gap. So you kind of have to find like the, the niche there, the meeting of those two needs of like, what are you interested in doing, but also like, where can you develop and add value at the same time? And I think like that sweet spot is kind of what you're looking for. Cause that'll help you both develop in your career and hopefully, you know, in like HR ranks and getting promotions and raises. Raises are good. Yeah. Raises are very good. Promotions yeah. are good. And, well, and that's kind of goes back to that topic of balance. Like, you know, like if you want to work extra hard to like get a big raise because like that might financially help you get to a point and you want to like take the cost benefit analysis of like, you know, I'm going to sacrifice like some, some personal relationships to do this. Like talk that through with the people close to you and in your life and say, Hey, I think this can make our lives better and that kind of stuff. And like actually decide that stuff consciously. That's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you also take the opposite view, which is I could, you know, work real hard to make more money here or get a bigger raise here. But I've decided more money is not going to make me any more happy and it'd be better for me to do, you know, focus those energies elsewhere. But I think to me, the biggest thing is that life like has a limited amount of like energy and or 
fucks to give. Like you only have so many fucks to give, put them in the appropriate place where you're going to get the most out of them. Don't spend your fucks on things that aren't going to get you good stuff. And like, just spend them appropriately and spend them wisely. Just like you would, you know, budget your bank account or, you know, if you're losing weight, you budget your calories. Or if you're training for a marathon, you budget your training so that you don't overtrain. Like you, this is everything in life. Like we, we live in a system of constraints. You just have to be aware of the constraints and, you know, yeah. Make sure Jay that you and don't I had overtrain. the, Jay and I had almost this exact conversation yesterday where, I, you know, I basically said that one of the tenets that I typically try to live by is that there's a finite amount of everything, right? Time is the only thing you can never get back. And so if you spend that time, there's a finite amount of it. If you spend that time on one thing, you have to consider what you're not spending it on, right? If you spend every waking minute on, you know, waxing your Corvette, then you're not going to be spending that time with your family, your significant other, your dogs, you know, taking walks in the woods, whatever the other yeah. thing is. Yeah. Yourself. And so always be aware that you, there's a finite amount of resource. doesn't matter what that resource is. If you're using it for one thing, it's not getting used for something else. Make sure that you don't uh, regret that later. Yeah. yeah. That's a good Thanks. point. Um, so do we want to maybe uh, just kind of wrap this up into maybe maybe Jay you could you could be, provide us with like so it's not just like four white guys yelling about like how successful we are or whatever like maybe we talk about like you know how this could be used like how like maybe recap some of the themes we've seen and 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 just you know what what your advice would maybe be as parting words here yeah for sure I think you know what I wanted to get out of this is just knowing that you know pathways into networking as an industry or as a career can take many many different sort of routes. Don't be sort of like check that you're not doing sort of the mainline pathway into, uh, you know, becoming a network engineer, or just being involved in networking, you know, your, your kind of future and your uh, fate can look very differently between per people. Uh, another theme is also work-life balance matters, right? Maybe your life has seasons. Maybe you spend your twenties, you know, sort of crushing it, labbing every day, writing it, getting all the certs, you know, acting as the sort of vendor darling. But just understand that there's sort of like a finite amount of effort and you need to check yourself on the other end of that, you know, life, life matters. Um, and then kind of one of my personal ones is just, hey, find a place that allows you to fuck something up because that's important, right? Let them let you make mistakes, right? That's, that's effectively part of growing as a, an engineer or something in a technical role. Uh, and then finally, interpersonal skills matter. Right. Just because you may be sort of a technical prowess, a god, you only know sort of like esoteric DNS RFCs. That doesn't matter. It's how you deal with people, sort of that that meat hallway. Punch out for the meat hallway or don't punch, just softly caress. Or if hey, if they don't want to be touched, don't do that either. Uh, but yeah, interpersonal skills matter. So try to take something away from this if you can. Uh, if not, it's just a bunch of four white dudes rambling. I dig it. Well, thanks. Thanks, Jay, for the uh for the idea here. I think I really like the I really like this kind of conversational style. I'd be way down to do more like this because I, I don't know. I I really think that you know, as people who've, uh, I don't know, been through stuff, it's good to distill some of that experience to people who maybe haven't hit those rakes, haven't stepped on those rakes yet, and you know, help them out. So, but I think it's a great point to wrap it up. Um, while we do that, Nick, where can people find you? Oh, I'm around. LinkedIn yeah. and uh, been spending more time on the Fediverse, although still not very much. Just once in a while, I go on there. Uh, it's a 
forwardingplane at dial.modem.show, Twitter at forwardingplane, forwardingplane.net, probably other places. I'm around. Very nice. Trey, how about you? Sorry, fighting with the mute button. Uh, I'm pretty much on LinkedIn. I'm on a couple slacks. You can find me on Packer Pushers or uh, FR Routing. Those are kind of the main places. Very cool. Right on, Jay. So you can find me, unfortunately, still on Twitter under frame underscore changer uh, or on the new barely used B-Sky social, which is uh, ethernet.bsky.social. So that's ethernet, not ethernet for my uh, folks listening out there. Uh, or on LinkedIn, where I'll be uh, silently judging your boss's posts. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, yeah, well, I'm Chris Cummings. Uh, you can find me also on the toot. You can find me tooting out loud on the Fediverse. <laughs> I'm never going to get over that. Uh, cranky Netman at dial.modem.show. We need to get some dial.modem.show accounts for uh, you non Fediverse people here. I am also, unfortunately, still on Twitter reluctantly. Um, at cranky Netman there slash sixty four the number six is the letter uh, number six the number four uh, dot tech slash six four dot tech is my blog modem dot show I'm on LinkedIn uh, judging Jay for judging your boss thanks for listening to modem thank you for tuning into the modem podcast where yesterday's modems are today's transponders for more information or to request a topic please visit modem.show.